Hello, this is Pastor Matthew. I just want to take a moment personally to say thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. Our mission is to impact the valley and bless the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We encourage you to go check out our website at crosslinkva.com. By doing so, you can learn all about the ministries of Crosslink and how we're involved in the community. Please know we're praying for you. God bless you. If you have your Bibles today, I wanna ask you to take them and open them with me to an Old Testament pastor scripture that you've probably not read in a while. And that is the scripture of Judges chapter six and chapter seven. As we study this morning, the life of a man simply by the name of Gideon. So Judges chapter six and chapter seven. I wonder this morning as we open God's word, the words will be here on the screen in just a moment, but I wonder as we gather here today, if you have ever found yourself in the middle of a situation where you tried to understand the details, you tried to grasp what was going on, you tried to make sense of it all, but the bottom line is you just couldn't. Things didn't make sense. How do you make sense of things sometimes that seem senseless to us? How do we logically understand and put everything into proper uh, pieces together like a puzzle, so to speak, if it seems like things don't actually fit, they don't add up, if you will? What do you do when things don't make sense. Have you ever been in a situation like that where things weren't adding up the way that they should have? The fact of the matter is there's a lot of things in our life that, that do not make sense to us. And I, in fact, I would even say that even in our language, in our speech, we often use common expressions to express things that we get, we understand what someone's communicating, but if you really think about literally what they're saying, they, they just don't make sense to us. For example, this morning as I was driving into to the worship service this, this morning and was seeing how greatly it was pouring this morning around 7.45 or so, I began to think to myself, man, it is raining like, say it with me, cats and dogs. Well, that statement makes no sense at all. And I, for one, am thankful it was not raining cats because God knows we have plenty of those already on the earth, okay? And so, like, but that statement doesn't make any sense. Like, what does that actually really mean? Or maybe uh, someone works hard throughout the week and, and I call them and I say, hey, brother, or hey, sister, how are you doing? And they'll say to me, oh, pastor, I've been working like a, working like a dog. Now, apparently, they're not talking about dogs in America because I know very few dogs in America that actually work for anything, okay? They're like the most spoiled of all of us. But so the reality is, is that there's a lot of statements that we make that make no sense at all. You might go to the gym and you might work out and work out a good sweat and you might say, I'm sweating like a, a pig or a dog. Hopefully not sweating like a dog, but sweating like a pig. Pigs don't even sweat. Like how do we get these statements? And the one I love the most is maybe somebody comes to a worship service on a Sunday morning and they look refreshed and rejuvenated. And I'll say, man, how are you doing? And they'll say, oh, pastor, I'm doing great. Last night, I slept like a baby. Well, I don't know about your house, but my house where we raised four, none of my babies slept like that. Okay. Like Sleeping like a baby in our house is every two hours you're up screaming and crying. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, God, please take it back. No, not really, not really. But <laughs> there are all kinds of expressions that we use that even in our communication, they don't really make sense. We laugh about those things because those things are lighthearted and humorous or funny as we're talking about cats or dogs or whatever else. But the reality is there are times in our life that God does things and allows things. There are times in our life that God even directs us to things that from our limited perspective don't make sense. 
There are times in our life that God brings us to a place that in and of ourself, we can't put the, put, we can't put the pieces of the puzzle all together. It's almost like we get to a dead end where we don't know what's next. We don't know how this is going to work. We don't know what to do. But in the midst of it all, God is wanting us to see that even in times when things don't make sense to us, he is still God and he is still in control. So we need to look to him and follow his plan. In Judges chapter six, we are introduced to a man by the name of Gideon. Now, we learn of Gideon from Hebrews chapter 11, this great hall of faith. God gives us illustration to illustration of men and women who God did extraordinary things in and through their life. Hebrews chapter 11 says it this way, and what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, of Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, listen to this, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Listen to this key statement. From weakness, they were made strong. They became mighty in war and even put men and women who had great faith. It's the amazing story of what God can do through anyone who's willing to trust him and walk in faith. So I ask you this morning, are you willing to trust God? Are you willing to walk by faith even when it doesn't make sense? We learned that from the illustration of a man by the name of Gideon in Judges chapter six. If you're ready this morning to read God's word, would you stand to your feet if you're physically able to do so? If you don't have the Bible in your hand, the words of course will be here on the screen in front of you. Here's what we're gonna do today. I wanna ask you to leave your Bibles open I'm gonna read Judges chapter six, verses 14 through 16. And then we're gonna skip down all the way down to verse 36. And we're gonna to come to a stopping point in the middle of chapter seven. But leave your Bibles open. We'll resume the story at the very end of the message. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Judges chapter six, God is speaking to Gideon and he says, the Lord looked at him and said, go in this your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you. Gideon said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? Behold, my family is the least in all of Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man. Now skip all the way down to verse 36. Then Gideon said to God, if you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken, behold, I will put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there's dew on the fleece only and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will deliver Israel through me as you have spoken. And it was so, the Bible says. When he arose early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece, which is like a coat basically. He drained the dew from the fleece, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God again, do not let your anger burn against me that I may speak once more. Please let me make a test once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece and let there be dew on all the ground. What Gideon is doing is he's testing God. He's wanting to make sure that God is with him and that God is speaking this. Verse 40, and God did so that night for it was dry only on the fleece and dew was on all the ground. Chapter seven, verse one. Then Jerubel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands. 
For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. Now therefore come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. Verse 4, the Lord said to Gideon, Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them there for you. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you. He shall go with you. But everyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you. He shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. Verse 8. So the 300 men took the people's provisions and their trumpets into their hands. And Gideon sent all the other men of Israel, each to his tent, but retained the 300 men, and the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. Now the same night, it came about that the Lord said to him, Gideon, arise, go down against the camp, for I have given it into your hands. But if you're afraid to go down, go with Pura, your servant, down to the camp, and you'll hear what they say. Afterward, your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. So what did he do? The Bible tells us in verse 11, he went with Pura, his servant, down to the outpost of the army that was in the camp. Now the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as numerous as the sand on the seashore. When Gideon came, behold, a man was relating a dream to his friend, and he said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian and it came to the tent and it struck the tent so that it fell and turned it upside down so that the tent lay flat. His friend replied, and we'll pause at the end of this verse, this is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. Let's pray together. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the privilege that we have to open, to read, and to hear, to study your word today. God, I pray today that you would help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear what it is that you are saying to us. God, I pray in our life when we come to these things and these moments and these times where things, frankly, just don't make sense, I pray, God, in those moments we would learn to look up to you listen to your voice, listen to your word, and to trust you every step of the way. God, knowing that you are still God and you are still working and doing the impossible to accomplish your purposes for your glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated this morning. You may be here this morning and you've heard the story of Gideon a hundred times, or you may be here today and have never heard the story about what God did in the life of this stranger, this man by the name of Gideon. And maybe you're here today, you've read those scriptures and you think, man, that's a lot of details. Pastor, help me understand it. Well, my hope today is not that I help you understand it, but that God helps you to understand what it is that he is saying to us through the example of this life, this man by the name of Gideon. God shows us through Gideon's life how he greatly works in, through, and for any and all who will walk by faith. We see that in four simple truths about God from Judges chapter 6 and chapter 7. Four things I want us to see about God this morning. Number one, 
It is God who calls us to action. It is God who calls us to action. You might be here this morning and you might have this question and thought of why would God ever call you at all? Maybe because of past mistakes, maybe because of sinful actions, maybe because you feel like you don't have certain level of, of knowledge or education, maybe you haven't had certain experiences that you've heard other people talk about. You may feel today of this doubt and this insecurity of why would God ever call you in any way, shape, or form. But I want you to know this morning that God desires that every single one of us would first and foremost have a relationship with him. You may feel unlovable, you may feel unloved, you may feel like your past is too much, or you may feel like you don't even care, but I want you to know this morning that God so richly and deeply loves you that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. In fact, God so deeply loves you, he's made a we are not ready to understand God's purpose for our life until we first understand what it means to have a relationship with him in our life. And so God calls us to a relationship. In Judges chapter 6, prior to the verses that we've read today, that's what God is doing in Gideon's life. In fact, God finds Gideon. He is hiding in a wine press because there's an army, a group of people called the Midianites, who are doing all that they can to threaten and to destroy God's people. And while Gideon is hiding in that wine press, God begins to speak to him and God begins to call him and God begins to say to him, Gideon, I love you. Gideon, I care for you. You may be here this morning literally trying to hide from God, but I want you to know God knows right where you are and he loves you right where you are. Fact of the matter is this morning, as we come to God in that relationship with him, God not only calls us to a relationship, he also calls us to action. God begins to reveal to us through that relationship what his purpose is for our life. Not one of us here this morning is here by accident or by mistake. You may make some accidents in your life. You may make mistakes in your life, but you being here is not one of them. God has a purpose for you and he has a plan for you. And it's in the basis of that relationship that God begins to reveal that. God was doing that with Gideon. By the time we get to Judges chapter six, verses 14 through 16, God speaks to Gideon and he says, Gideon, I have chosen you. Gideon, I know who you are. I had a plan and a purpose for your life long before you were ever here. Gideon, my purpose for you is that you are going to go to the Midianite army and you are going to defeat them. Gideon, this is my plan for you. And in that moment of plan, God was calling Gideon ultimately to action. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but if I were in Gideon's shoes, I think I would have responded the way that Gideon did. Because to Gideon, it didn't make sense that God would call him. Gideon, the Bible tells us, was a farmer. He wasn't a soldier. He didn't have expertise and training as a military man. He, he didn't know what it was like. He didn't have an army. He's a farmer. Not only that, but the Bible tells us that he was the youngest in his family, which meant literally that in that culture, he would have been considered the weakest of the family. He was not suited from man's perspective to go into battle to defeat a mighty army. And so when God calls him, he asks that question, God, are you sure? I mean, me, I mean, my family's the least in all of Manasseh and I'm the least in all of my family. And God, I, I'm a farmer. I'm not a soldier. And yet God had a plan and a purpose for him. God was calling him to action. I wonder this morning if you have ever dealt with that today. Have you ever been in a place where God was calling you out of your comfort zone? Where God was calling you to do something that you didn't feel qualified to do? You didn't think you could do it in your own strength. Well, what do you do in that moment? 
Here's what you do. You recognize that God is getting you right to where he wants you because God rejoices. God uh, exalts himself when he works and moves in ways that we can't fully fathom and understand. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 27 and 29 says it this way. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong so that no man may boast before God. If God's call to us was based upon our ability, can you imagine how arrogant and proud and self-righteous we would be? No, God calls those who are simply able and available, I'm sorry, simply available, and he makes them able for his purposes. He equips them to do what he calls them to do. Well, how did God call Gideon? God called Gideon, I would say, in two ways that he still calls us. Number one, God spoke his will to Gideon. How did Gideon know what God wanted him to do? Very clearly, God told him. God spoke to him. In fact, we see in this pastor's scripture in Judges chapter six that God says, Gideon, I've chosen you to go to, de to defeat the Midianites. And then not only did he tell him that, he said, Gideon, and I want you to know, I will be with you. And not only that, God goes on further to say, Gideon, there's another word of promise, and that is this, you will have victory as if it was the victory of one man. In other words, Gideon, I want you to know, I know this sounds crazy. I know that you can't make sense of it all. I know you don't know all the steps yet and you don't know how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together, but Gideon, I am working in you. I am working through you and I am going to work for you. Just trust me. God spoke that word of assurance to Gideon that day. The fact of the matter is this morning, you may not hear the audible voice of God today, but the fact of the matter is that God still speaks today. How does he do it? The Bible tells us that God speaks through his word. That faith, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Today, every single one of us have been blessed to have the privilege of having God's holy word. We have it, the Bible. In fact, many of you today, even as I asked you to turn your passage of scripture, you didn't open the Bible, you pulled up your smartphone and you opened your app and you looked at it. We have the Bible available to us in just about every language possible and all sorts of translations, but here's the reality. What God is wanting us to understand this morning is that God is still speaking today and he is most often speaking through his word. Sometimes believers, we look at it as if it's optional. We look at it as well as what we do on Sunday morning. We look at it as what we read when we have time. But what I want us to see this morning is that God is still speaking. He's speaking through his word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says it this way. All scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. The way that we are equipped for the work of God is by having God's word in our heart and life. In other words, what God is saying to us is, child of God, I'm still speaking today. How, am he, how is he speaking? He is speaking through his word. The fact of the matter is I am grateful today that we have many Christians here at Crosslink who can encourage us and challenge us. Many of us do that in the context of community groups, for example. I'm thankful that we have godly counselors right here in our community in our partnership with Journey Counseling. I'm so thankful for those ministry opportunities. I'm thankful for a team of pastors where I can honestly say to you as pastors, we love you, we pray for you, we wanna encourage you and help you and instruct you in any way that we can. I'm thankful that we have some of the teachers and the experts and the scholars that we have, but please understand this morning, while all these things are a gift from God, none of them is a substitute for the word of God. God. 
God is still speaking through his word. But the sad reality, as one writer said it, is this. Many professing believers are clueless about the will of God for their life because there's an absence of the word of God in their life. God showed Gideon his will by speaking to him. But not only did God speak to him, secondly, God showed him in some very unique ways what his will for Gideon really was. Now, please understand this morning that I am not saying or suggesting that you should do what Gideon did in Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7. In Judges 6 and 7, Gideon on three different occasions basically tested God. And he basically said, God, if this is fine to you, if this is really you working, then here is what I want you to do. Here's the sign that I'm asking for. Here's the evidence that I'm looking for. The truth be told this morning, while God was gracious in dealing with Gideon, Gideon's actions were in many ways a sign of very immature faith. In fact, it was based out of his own insecurity and his own doubts and his own fears that he demanded this of God. Please understand, I'm not saying this morning that you need to put a fleece before God and you need to ask God for some specific sign. The fact of the matter is Jesus said on two different occasions that it was a wicked and an adulterous generation that was seeking after a sign. Because truth be told, they weren't really looking for a sign. They already had all the signs they needed. They were just rejecting it. Gideon had already heard the word of God, already heard what God was calling him to do, and yet he still demanded the sign. Yet God was gracious to show him what he was doing. The truth of the matter is this morning is that, yes, God speaks through his word, but God also still today shows us what he's doing. And he begins to show us where he wants us to move. He begins to show us the next step that he'd have us to take. He don't map the whole thing out for us, but he shows us one step at a time by faith what he's calling us to do. How does he do it? Today, God shows us not only through the teaching of his word, but he shows us through the person of the Holy Spirit. The truth of the matter is this morning is that every believer today has someone in us that Gideon did not have in him. That someone is the Holy Spirit. Did you know the Bible says at the very moment you believe in Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. And literally your body becomes the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. The very moment of salvation, God imparts his Holy Spirit in our lives. The Bible says of Gideon that the Holy Spirit came upon him to accomplish a specific task, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit in him like we do today. What did Jesus say in John chapter 16 about the Holy Spirit? Listen to these words. He said, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Listen to this. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. In other words, this morning, even still today in 2019, when we get in God's word and we read God's word, God begins to speak to us. But also God also has the Holy Spirit in our life to open our eyes and to open our ears and to let us know where he's working and to show us where he wants us to join him and to call us out of our comfort zone to do things that we would have never done in our own strength. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so this morning, I challenge you and ask you, how is God speaking to you through his word? What is it that the Holy Spirit of God is showing you in your life? How are your eyes seeing the things that God is working in around you? How are your ears hearing the things that he's calling you to do? And how are you responding? 
God is still calling us to action today. God is not dead and lifeless and some historical figure. He's still alive and well and moving and speaking to his people today. Amen. Not only does God call us to action, there's a second point that I think that's important that often is a hard thing for us to grasp, and that is this. Not only does God call us to action, but when he does, God challenges our faith. God challenges or tests our faith. Many people have this notion and idea that once they believe in God, once they accept God's word, that life will get easy. I mean, God, I'm doing what you wanted me to do, so life's going to be easy, right? The fact of the matter is, is the Bible tells us that our faith will be tested. In fact, I imagine this morning, as you think about those things in life that don't make sense, those times of difficulty and trials, those moments of such adversity that you can't make sense of it all, you understand the significance and you understand the reality of your faith being tested. James chapter one, verse three through four says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. So let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What's James saying? He's saying, listen, your faith is going to be tested, but as you keep trusting God, as you keep looking to God, God is going to use that to mold you and to shape you and to equip you to be the man or woman of God that he wants you to be. First Peter chapter one, verse seven, even reminds us about the testing of our faith, how that testing and that proving it's more precious even than great treasures and gold. So pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that God challenges our faith. Why does he do that? I believe God challenges our faith for many reasons, but we learn from the life of Gideon that God was trying to accomplish three things in Gideon's life through the testing of his faith. And I believe in many cases, this is what God is doing in our life when we go through those things that we can't make sense of. The first is that God is calling us to recognize that we must depend on the power of the Lord. In our, those moments of testing and trials, those moments of our faith being challenged, God is bringing us to a place where we recognize we must depend on the power of the Lord. Picture the scene for just a moment. Gideon is a young man. He's a farmer by trade. Being the youngest of the family, he would not be the most respected or the most admired. And yet, nonetheless, he's the one that God calls to go stand up and to speak up and ultimately to battle against this army called the Midianite army. Background. The Midianite army was comprised of 135,000 soldiers. Not a small army. In fact, the Midian army was such a powerful army, not only did they have 135,000 people, but they were known for their weaponry and they had a limitless number of camels and horses. So they had the supplies they needed, they had the resource they needed, they had the weaponry they needed, and they had the manpower, 135,000 people. And in Judges chapter six, God says, now Gideon, here's what I want you to do. I want you to blow the trumpet. And when I blow the trumpet, I'm gonna bring people from all over the tribes of Israel and they're gonna come to fight with you. And so Gideon blows the trumpet and God brings 32,000 men. Now in this moment, I think Gideon's kind of encouraged, like, Wow, God, this is awesome. I didn't know you were going to do this. I mean, just a few minutes ago, I was one man. I've blown the trumpet for, for battle and you brought 32,000 people. This is amazing. I think in this moment, Gideon's probably a little encouraged. He's not alone anymore. I don't know about you, but if I'm going in the battle, I don't want to be alone either, right? That's where he is. And so Gideon begins to talk to God and he's like, God, this is awesome. This is amazing. Thank you for providing these people. But there's a small problem we're still outnumbered at least four to one. 
God, what should we do? God, you tell me anything you want me to do. I know I need you, God. I'm looking to you by faith. So God, whatever you tell me to do, that's what we're gonna do. All right, God, what's your plan? And God says, all right, Gideon, here's the plan. You've got way too many people. Now, I don't know if that sounds foolish to you, but, but, but I'm saying, what? Yeah, Gideon, you've got way too many people. 32,000 people is way too many. Wait, wait a second, God. That army's 135,000 people. There's camels, there's horses, there's weapons. God, it's terrifying looking at them. Gideon, you've got way too many people. Because if you go to that battle with this many people and get victory as I'm going to give victory, you're going to boast. Israelites are going to boast. They're going to think it's in your own strength. It's in your own power. Look at what we've done. Look at what we've accomplished. Look at the victory we've gotten. Look how we made the enemy flee. Look what we did. So here's the deal, Gideon. There are 22,000 of the 32,000 men right now who are terrified. Send them home. Gideon's like, all right. Gideon sends them home. 22,000 men, he's left with 10,000. I'm sure at that moment he's kind of thinking, well, well, I guess it couldn't, not too, not too bad. At least I got 10,000 people. We're good to go, right? And God says, no, Gideon, it's still way too many. Pastor, what's God doing? God's getting Gideon to a place where he would not to be tempted to think, it's not about him. It's not about his power. It's not about his ability. It's not about his influence. It's not about his wealth. It's not about his control. It's not about his strategy. It's all about God. God is bringing Gideon to a place where he would recognize the only way he could have victory was by the power of God. The only way he could move forward was by the power of God. That if he didn't have the power of God at work in his life, it would literally mean complete death and destruction. God is bringing him to a place where he had to absolutely recognize and depend upon the power of God. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you living your life today in dependence upon the power of God? In your marriage, are you living your life dependent upon the power of God? Well, I can't forgive and I can't move forward and I can't wear this. Are you living your life in dependence upon the power of God? But you don't know how long I've had this struggle and how long I've had this sin and this addiction's been a part of my family for generations and generations. Are you living your life in dependence upon the power of God? As a church, honestly, Crosslink, as a church, as we consider God's calling to take the gospel message to the ends of the earth, as we consider God's calling to impact the valley and to bless the nations, to impact this valley by planting churches and taking the gospel right to where people are, as we pray about what God would have us to do and what he'd have us to give concerning the greater things, are we depending upon the power of God? Are we content to do what's easy and comfortable for us? Gideon is in that place where God is totally, totally causing him to depend upon the power of God. Secondly, Gideon is in a place where he's teaching us to recognize that we must also depend upon the plan of the Lord. Yes, we need God's power, but he also brings us to a place in the midst of those difficulties where we must trust the plan of the Lord. So think about the plan for just a moment. All right, Gideon, here's the deal. You've got 10,000 men. It's still way too many. Gideon, get the men and take them down to the water. They're thirsty so that they can get something to drink. Here's the deal, Gideon. I've got very strict requirements here. Gideon, anybody, any of these soldiers who become so thirsty and so desirous of water that they're willing to let down their guard, 
they have no business in this army. Anybody who kneels down and anyone who puts their tongue to the water and laps like a dog, any of them who take their eyes off the fact that the enemy could attack at any moment, any of them send them home. But those who bend and get water with their hand and keep their eye attentive for the attack of the enemy and drink in that manner, they're going to be a part of the army. Now, we don't read this in the scripture, but I believe in this moment, we see of Gideon that he is fully trusting God's plan. He doesn't understand it all. It doesn't make complete sense to him. He doesn't know how the pieces fit together, but he's trusting God's plan. How? Because of this fact. I can't speak for yourself, but I can speak for me. But in my logic, if I were Gideon, you know what I would do in that moment? I would try to help God out a little bit, right? Like, God, I know you're in control. I know what you're saying. I know, but I'm just going to do this thing over here to help you a little bit. I would have probably been looking at those warriors, looking at that ragtag group of people that were coming together as an army, and I'd be looking and thinking, hmm, Yep, I want him and him. No, they could definitely go home, but no, him, I need him. Like, who's the strong one? Yeah, I, I need him. Who's the fast one? Yeah, I need him. Who, who's skilled at, at different things? Yeah, I need him. And I would be like, guys, guys, only with your hands, eyes up, eyes up, eyes up. Look at me, drink water this way, right? I'd, try to, I'd be like, God didn't say he couldn't do that. I'd be helping God out a little bit. That's all. Say, Pastor, what are you saying? What I'm saying is in this moment, you know what what Gideon's doing? Gideon's not being passive. Gideon's just trusting God. Gideon brings him to the water and Gideon stands and he examines exactly how they're drinking. Can you imagine how much his heart would have sank in that moment as 9,700 soldiers in this moment, 9,700 of them, they're getting down on their knees, they're drinking with their tongue and Gideon's thinking, oh my word, what have we gotten ourselves into? As soon as they get up from the water, you can go home, boys, pack your bags, it's over. Gideon gets back, I'm sure it felt like nobody was left, but finally gets everybody, 300 people. 300 people, knowing good and well that the army was about to face was 135,000. Could you imagine if I said, all right, guys, here's where, we're get, get what you need. We're going out. We're going to take on Augusta and Rockingham County right now. Let's go, boys. Some of you would be like, sweet, I've been waiting for this day. All right, you know. The rest of us would be like, no, no. You're getting prayed about this, Pastor, right? I mean, you know what Gideon's doing? Gideon's trusting God's plan. Third thing. Not only must we depend upon the power of God and the plan of the Lord, but third, we must depend on the promise of the Lord. I gotta be quick. We, have, we must depend on the promise of the Lord. So, so you have to understand, like, yes, was Gideon acting in faith at this point? Yes. But is Gideon a little bit afraid? Uh-huh, absolutely. Just like you and I would have been in that moment. We're looking at this insurmountable obstacle. We're looking at this major challenge. We're thinking we're going to die. It's me and 300 people, and there's 135,000 people in the valley waiting on me right now. The Bible says in Judges chapter seven, verses one through 14, that God in the midst of Gideon's fear gives him a special word of assurance. In fact, he says, Gideon, here's what I want you to do. Gideon, I want you to get up and and, and I want you to go down to the enemy's camp. I want you to go right near their camp. And when you go, you're going to hear something. I've got something planned for you, Gideon. And so here's the deal, Gideon. If you're too afraid to go by yourself, here's this guy named Pura. You can take him with you. You'll have a companion. You won't be alone. Gideon's like, Lord, okay, I'll go. Gideon gets Pura 
this man. He walks together, no doubt at nighttime so that he wouldn't be seen. Can you imagine? God is calling him to go to the enemy's camp. Oh, but God, I'd rather be comfortable. God, it was so much easier when I was back hiding in the wine press, fleeing for my life. God says, no, I want you to go right to the enemy's camp. Gideon goes to the enemy. Can you imagine the anxiety that he would have felt? I, mean, I bet his heart's pounding. He doesn't know what's going to happen. What is God going to do? We're completely out, man. This is crazy. This doesn't make sense. Gideon gets close to the camp and close enough to see two Midianite soldiers talking. It's the strangest conversation. One of the guys is talking and he's like, man, dude, I had the weirdest dream last night. I, I was dreaming and all of our army was there, our, all of our tents and all 135,000, our camels are over here and our horses are over here and, and all was going well and everything was great. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, this big old loaf of barley bread came tumbling through the camp. And this loaf of bread was so powerful and so heavy and so enormous, it literally squashed and wiped out the entire camp. It wiped us all out. Man, some crazy bread I must have had last night for dinner. Weird dream, dude, I'm just telling you. But even stranger, his buddy begins to interpret it. You know what this must mean, don't you? This must mean that Gideon, the servant of the God of Israel, is going to wipe us out because of the power of his God. How did he get that from a loaf of barley? This must mean... We're going to die literally because of the hand of God being with Gideon. We're going to be defeated and destroyed. It was crazy. But in that moment, Gideon was hearing from the enemy the word of prediction that they were going to be destroyed. And it was all going to be because of the power of the God of Israel. In that moment, what I want you to see this is this, is that Gideon was coming to a place, frankly, that would have been a challenge. It would have been uncomfortable. It didn't make sense. It was like a dark place, if you will. Now, only God knows the anxiety and the worry and the fear that he had as he approached that camp. But there in the midst of that dark moment, there in the midst of that moment of impossibility, there in the midst of a moment that didn't make sense, God spoke a word to him that gave him life and gave him confidence and gave him assurance that the victory was to come. So pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying to you this morning that there are some of us in our life, we come to seasons and we come to situations where the situation seems bleak and things seem dark. We can't understand it. It doesn't make sense to us. And it seems like God is calling us to the impossible. And we look and we think, God, where are you in the midst of this? God, why are you allowing this in my life? God, why are you calling me to this? But I'm telling you, friend, please in those moments, look to the Lord and trust him because in those moments, as you do, God speaks words of a comfort and words of assurance and words of promise of the victory that's to come. Notice what happened as a result of that. God gives us a third truth and that is that God changes us as we act in faith. I have to move quickly this morning, but verses 15 through 20, listen to what happens. The Bible tells us, and I'll just read the scriptures and let them speak for themselves. Listen to the changes that happened in the life of Gideon. The Bible says in verse 15, when Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. The first change that happened is that Gideon now had a conviction. Not only a conviction about who God is, but a conviction about what God was going to do and what he was capable of doing. 
Gideon, at the beginning of the passage of Scripture, was hiding in the wine press, fleeing for his life, but now he has a conviction that God is God and God can do the impossible, and so he literally bows in worship. Friend, it doesn't matter how great the odds are against you. It doesn't matter how bleak the situation or circumstances. God's promises plus our faith always equals victory. That's where Gideon was. Gideon bows in worship. Notice what else happened. Now does he have conviction now. Listen to the confidence that he now has. He returned to the camp of Israel. This is the same guy who has demanded three signs from God to confirm something. And here's what he said to them. Arise. Why? For the Lord has given the camp of Midian into your hands. Get up, boys. It's go time. They're looking around. Gideon, there's 300, there's 130. I know, guys, get up, now's the time. The Lord has given us the victory. So verse 16, he divided 300 men into three companies. He put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers. Not your typical weapons for war. Guys, we're going to battle. Great, grab a torch and a lemonade jug. You know, let's go. <laughs> he said to them, look at me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outskirts of the camp, do as I do. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpet, then you will also blow the trumpets all around the camp and say, for the Lord and for Gideon. So Gideon, verse 19, and the hundred men who were with him came to the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had just posted the watch. They blew the trumpets. They smashed the pictures that were in their hands. When the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pictures, they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing. And they cried out a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. No Notice the courage. Gideon, God has given him conviction. What does God do when we walk by faith? He gives us a conviction about who he is. Gideon's not walking in confidence. Guess what happens? As we obey God, it's not confidence in our ability, but God begins to reveal himself to us and we begin to be confident about what he will do. And that confidence allows us to walk in courage. He gives us courage. That's exactly what we're seeing in the life of Gideon. What's the end result? The end result is that when we walk by faith, not only does God change us as we act in faith, but finally God conquers the enemy. Verse 21, they have shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Verse 21, listen to what happens. Each stood in his place around the camp. Notice what this mighty army of 135,000 people did. And all the army did what? ran, crying out as they fled. When they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set the sword of one against another, even throughout the whole army. And the army fled as far as Beth Sheeta towards Zerorah, as far as the edge of Abel Mahola by Tabith. The men of Israel were summoned from Naphtali and Asher and all Manasseh, and they pursued Midian. I got to sum it up quickly, but here's the reality. What happened in that moment is this. When Gideon and those 300 men took those pictures and took their torches and they broke those pictures and they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. When that happened there in the middle of the night, the Bible tells us that that other army that had been doing all they could to destroy God's people and to hinder God's people and to get rid of God's people, when that happened, they were such a shock and there was such a confusion that came upon them that literally in the middle of the night, they got up and they grabbed their sword and there was such a panic that came upon the enemy, such a terror that came upon them. They began fighting, not even realizing they're fighting. They were fighting against them themselves. 
God gave Gideon and the Israelite army, he gave them victory in this moment without them having to use any force themselves. Pastor, that's crazy. Pastor, that doesn't make sense. Pastor, that's impossible. That's exactly the point. With man it is. But what did the angel tell Mary in Luke chapter one? Nothing is impossible with God. So pastor, what are you saying this morning? Here's what I'm saying. You may be in situations and circumstances today that may not make sense to you. But I want you to know, you can trust God even when it doesn't make sense. You may have gotten the worst news possibly in your life this past week, and you're having a hard time putting it all together. I know that it's difficult, but you can trust God even when it doesn't make sense. You may have gone into a business venture recently that you were sure that God was in, but no sooner did you begin, it seemed like God closed the door. You can't make sense of it all. I want you to know this morning, you can trust God even when it doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter how bleak the circumstance or situation. God is still God. He is still good. And he is so much greater than your circumstance that he is always working it together for his glory, but ultimately even for our good so we can trust him. This morning, I don't know all your story. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart and life today. But I do know for all of us, what he is clearly calling us to do is to look to him and trust him. This morning, some of us need to begin that first step of trusting him by trusting that he loves us, that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, that he's made a way for us to be saved, and therefore we should trust him to be our savior. That's the first step. There are many of us today, we made that decision a long time ago. We're walking with the Lord today. Today, God is calling many of us, many of us out of our comfort zone to a place of complete and total dependence upon him. I don't know how and in what specific areas of your life God is speaking to you today, but I believe that he is. The question I simply ask you is this, will you trust him? God did not tell Gideon all the steps along the way. He just showed him the next step and he gave Gideon the assurance that he was needed to say yes. Truth of the matter is this morning, I believe we know loud and clear in our own hearts and lives what God is calling us to do. And so if he's speaking to you, I ask you to say yes, to have faith in him and obey. Let's pray together. Father, we do love you. We thank you for the ways that you're working in our life today. Thank you for what you're doing uh, here at Crosslink. Um, God, none of us like to be in a place where we are at what feels like the enemy lines. None of us like to be in places of, of fear, of discomfort. We certainly don't like to be in places of anxiety and worry and concern. And yet, God, it seems like in our humanity, we often are. We don't see how everything works out. We don't know the, the end of every situation, but we do know you. So God, I pray today that we would look to you and we would trust you and we would live for you even when things don't make sense. God, I pray right now that if there's anyone here today that does not know you, 
as their Lord and Savior, that today would be the day that they are saved. That today would be the day by faith they accept Jesus as their Savior. Lord, if there's anyone here today that is saved, I pray for all of us that we would trust you in whatever ways you're burdening our hearts and lives today. And we'll pray it all for your glory in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. We encourage you to come and join us right here on our campus. We're located right next to the county fairgrounds here in Harrisonburg, Virginia. If you have any questions about the church, any question about the message, feel free to email us or call us and let us know. And we look forward to seeing you soon. God bless you.